0: We're turning back to our series in Hebrews 11 this morning, and our message this morning is the decisions of faith. The decisions of faith. And we're referring to Hebrews 11 and verse uh, 23, uh, referring to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. This morning we have four matters to think about from this passage. Moses was preserved through the means of his parents' faith. Moses refused to live the way of the unbelieving world. Moses chose to be affiliated with the people of God, and fourthly, Moses valued heavenly treasure above earthly wealth. Of course, Moses is one of the most important figures in both secular and biblical history. And Hebrews 11 is focusing upon the decisions that he made. I guess you might think that if we compare a modern-day figure... One of the most honoured and respected figures in our lifetime has been Nelson Mandela. And he chose to stand up against apartheid, and that meant a very hard life of difficulty for many years. But then he was greatly used as a leader and greatly respected. But all, in all of these things, Moses is illustrating a positive and a negative way in which faith makes decisions. Now remember this letter to the Hebrew Christians is written to people with Jewish blood. People who grew up as Jews but then came to faith in Christ. And because of their conversion they have faced a lot of pressure and opposition and hardship. And some of them have weakened in their faith and have been ready to make compromises or even some of them been tempted to turn back and live in the old way of life rather than in the Christian way. And so this letter is a letter both of encouragement and of warning. And we too need these at times in our lives. And the focus, first of all, of this writer to the Hebrews is on decisions. Decisions that we have to make. Resolutions that we have to make. But first of all, he talks about Moses' parents. By faith, Moses' parents hid him three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So, first of all, the the spotlight goes on the parents of Moses. They were both from the tribe of Levi, so they were a tribe particularly devoted to the service of God. And we know that Moses had a brother Aaron and a sister Miriam. Moses to be a priest and uh, Miriam to be a prophetess. But uh, the marriage uh, of Amran and Jochebed, Moses' parents, was in a dark time. The Egyptians were treating them diabolically. Uh, The population had exploded and uh, even though they were valued as slaves, the Egyptians wanted to suppress the numbers. So the midwives are commanded to uh, commit infanticide and destroy all boy Hebrew boys that were burn, born. And then when that failed, the plan was more ruthless and baby boys were to be tossed to the crocodile-infested Nile. Now, Moses' parents, obviously, uh, believers, did what everybody would do, whether they're believers or not believers. Uh, they would do everything to stay, save their children. And uh, there's no question that many Hebrew uh, parents would have been trying to save the life of their little boys, but what is interesting in this instance of Moses' parents is that there's two reasons explaining why they sought to save the life of Moses. First of all, uh, we're told that they weren't afraid of the king's edict. Now, they could have been in very big trouble if they had been caught out. Um, keeping Moses alive and even putting him in a basket in the river. But they were willing to accept the danger and the cost of keeping Moses alive. They had, uh, fi- they had a reverence to God more than they feared Pharaoh. Uh, often Christians have to make decisions like that. Uh, sometimes the ways that are commanded by society... Conflict with God's clear commands. Uh, To this day, uh, infanticide is practiced in many parts of the world. There's abandonment, and there is, of course, today, abortion in many parts of the world. Christians do not believe in taking life. We believe that life is given by God at conception, and we value life. And Moses' parents were not going to be cowed by an evil regime and uh, they stood up now normally of course we as believers would submit to civil government Uh, we would do everything uh, in our power to obey our civil rulers but when society's laws conflict with human law uh, with with God's laws Christians may resist as Moses parents did uh, and it's the clear moral duty of Christians to stand up for what's right in our time and, and and Christians in generations gone by, have borne testimony to that fact, and often they have been vindicated by their stand. But what helps us act, of course, is faith that God is pleased by what we do, and he will help us to do what's right and stand up to the pressures of a modern world as the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian Christians be on your guard stand firm in the faith be courageous be strong and Moses parents were like that but they also saw that he was a beautiful child that's the second reason the writer to Hebrews says uh, the faith of Moses parents was exercised as a beautiful or fine child Now, now that seems an odd description. Have you ever met parents who don't think they've got a beautiful baby? My wife thinks all babies are beautiful. I keep quiet sometimes. (laughs) So, it's a kind of odd description to say that Moses, Moses' parents saved his life because he was a beautiful child. But I think what is implicit in the text is that they sensed there was something special about Moses. He may have been a very physically beautiful child. But I I think Stephen's words really perhaps give us an intimation as to what was in their mind. Moses was lovely in the sight of God. So Moses' parents had a sense that God had a purpose in the life of this little boy that he'd given to them god had got a plan for moses life and so the writer is telling us their faith was exercised in the fact that they had great respect to the preciousness of life as opposed to the pressure of the egyptian society and they also recognized that god had a purpose in this baby and so their faith was exercised And they hid him, and then they nurtured him. You see, Moses, uh, later on, is evident as a a really uh, committed believer. He makes decisions that we're going to look at in a moment. What did he know that helped him make these decisions that pleased God and were for the good of his people? Well, surely his parents taught him all they knew about the living god surely they told moses that god had revealed himself to their ancestors to abraham and isaac and jacob and god had been with their, their, their with joseph in the land of egypt there were promises that god had made that the descendants of their clan were going to be blessed by god and were going to be a blessing to the world through the savior of the world that would be born into uh, their family, and Moses would have known the faith of his parents in the living God, and uh, that would have been something that he'd learnt of in in the home when he was only a little boy. That's a tremendous encouragement to us, isn't it, as believing parents today in a secular society? Moses later taught the very faith that he'd learnt at his mother's knee. His parents helped him understand the things that he needed to grasp. I suggest his experience was like that of a preacher who once said of his mother, my mother practices what I preach. And I'm sure you've heard the uh, the, uh, aphorism that more is caught than taught. And uh, though we as parents can't pass on, Our faith as we do our genes, we can teach, we can set an example, and we can be those who encourage our young people in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Moses would eventually have learned how his life was saved, and it must have been tremendously humbling to him to learn what his parents had done to save his life. Moses had a courageous faith but his parents had a courageous faith the Bible teaches us that very often faith begins in a in a very small and simple way in our own home Uh, now that's not true for all of people Uh, some people don't have the advantage of Christian parents who pray for them and teach them but uh, where that happens uh Children see the priorities and the values and the commitments that makes their parents different than society in general. And some of us are so thankful for the background we've got. Uh, Before I came out this morning, I happened to read the latest report from Caring for Life. If you don't know it, it's uh, a wonderful work up in Leeds in Yorkshire. And they're caring for all kinds of disadvantaged people. And your heart goes out to these people who've never known love who've never had a mum and a dad to help establish them in life, who've never had the advantage of having good principles taught them. And if you're a young person this morning in a Christian home, oh, do be thankful for the blessings that have come to you that way. And if you're a parent, be like Moses' parents. Be brave and courageous and do what's right in spite of the pressures of the secular world. And do... Perhaps pray that your children might be special to God as Moses was. So that's the first thing. Moses was preserved through the means of his parents' faith and commitment. But the second thing is, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We're told in the scriptures that uh, he went out to see his brothers, his brother Israelites. Uh, obviously by this time he was living in the palace and he suddenly got more interested in what was going on amongst his blood relatives. He was adopted uh, uh, to be a prince in in the uh, court of Egypt, but suddenly when he's uh, uh, coming up to when he's 40, he's beginning to take an interest in his mum and dad's family who are believers. Now he's described as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that's uh, a title of self conscious dignity Uh, he's living almost certainly in what we call the 19th dynasty of Egypt and uh, as you know um, Egypt for many centuries was the most ancient and wealthy uh, civilization in the ancient world Uh, he grew up uh, in the palace after he'd been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter amongst the most cultured uh, and the most advanced civilization of the ancient world uh, the, uh, Stephen says of him he was educated in all of the learning of the Egyptians and he was a man of power in words and deeds so his education would have uh, taught him how to read hieroglyphics and probably the the languages of the nations that uh, that Egypt had contact with. And uh, he would have been highly skilled, as a suggestion, that he would have been in the military as part of his training as a prince. He would have had so much training, training to be a leader, because he's a princess's son. And uh, it's amazing what... uh, this must have meant to him. Of course, we know that God was going to use all this training and education uh, in later years. He may not have known that. His parents may not have known that. But he got everything. Now, others, let me say this quickly. There's absolutely nothing wrong with getting the best education. If you can get to Oxford or Cambridge, do. If you can get in the military and become a general, do. Um, if you can be trained for leadership in any community, do. Uh, God can use people in good positions and we need Christians in good position in our society so don't let me discourage you from that but Moses came to a crisis he uh, realised that he'd got so much to do and Egypt had so much to offer and it's very possible I, I, I can't make a convincing case for this but some of the commentators said he may have been in line for the throne of Egypt But he reached a point where he couldn't continue to be like that. He couldn't be part of the court of Pharaoh, but also be loyal to the Lord and to the Lord's people. In his heart, he remembered all that his parents and all other Israelites had told him about the promises of God and the future of God's people in the land of Canaan. He was well aware of that. And it began to be a burden on his heart that he couldn't carry on uh, in the position in Egypt and yet be a help to his people and serve his God. Anybody looking on and knowing Moses at this time would have thought that leaving that, he was sacrificing everything. Giving up everything for nothing. Wishful thinking, a dream. That's what people might have thought about Moses. Moses. But he was sacrificing nothing for something that was lasting forever. You see, we live in a time when people think highly of us if we're born in an important family, if we've been successful, if we've made it well in life, if we've got our degrees and we've climbed the greasy pole and done well in life. People look up to people like that. Moses had most of those things, but he was willing to relinquish them. God may not call us to relinquish any of the successes he's pleased to give us in life. God is not interested in the family we come from, or how much money we've got, or how well educated we are, or what a good brain or good physique God has given us. Those are not his primary concerns. God is concerned about our heart and our obedience to him. The Lord's concern is that we put him first and we hear his call and we do the things that are right in his sight. Many well-born people have given up enjoying a good life for the sake of the gospel. Let me tell you what a baron once said. Now, I I don't know who he was. Uh, Baron Justinian von Welz, his name Obviously he was Euro- European. He renounced his title and his estates and his income. And he went as a missionary to Dutch Guiana. So I suggest he was probably a Moravian. No- nobody's heard of him today. But we can be absolutely sure he's not forgotten by God. As he was preparing to uh, leave his estates in Central Europe, he wrote this. What is it to me to bear the title well-born when I am born again to Christ? What is it for me to have the title Lord when I desire to be a servant of Christ? What is it to be called your grace when I have need of God's grace? all these things i lay at the feet of my dear lord jesus you and i may become christians and we may have to make changes in our lives but we will never have to make the big sacrifices that moses or the baron did our sacrifices will be small compared to that we believers may be part of the culture but we must refuse to be identified with the godless culture that we're surrounded in. We must follow our Lord in his ways and be committed to him and to his people. Moses is a wonderful example of self-denial which all Christians are called to. Thirdly, Moses chose the people of God He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God. So what's happened? Well, his education, training, and his good life has never blunted his hope in the faith of God's people. By faith, he saw that the people that he was born into, his blood relatives were the people of God. And that was the root of his extraordinary decision. He believed that the parents God had given him, uh, 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 Amran and Jochebed, um, were in a unique relationship with the living God. And that they had a unique role in the people of God in the world. And Moses was willing to align with them even though his life would dramatically change from a life of affluence to hardship. They were brickmakers. They were poor. They were oppressed. But he had a new identity. Now, identity is a very topical thing today. Finding your identity... In life is so important the tragedy is that so many of uh, our generation are being misled into thinking that they will have a better life if they change their identity from boy to girl or girl to boy etc etc what is your identity if you're born to be a boy you're a boy you're born to be a girl you're a girl If you're a boy, act manly. If you're a girl, act like a feminine person. Who do you identify with in life? We may look up to some important people, some celebrities. We may admire some great achievers. But what is of great value? Achieving things that the world looks up to and writes about and talks about? Or... Pleasing the living God who's made us and blessed us with all good things. Whose worldview are you identifying with? The worldview that's currently popular, the philosophy of this age? Or are you identifying with the values that have been revealed to us from the beginning of time in the Bible and taught by the Lord Jesus Christ? We're so easily unconsciously influenced by the social media. But we need the wisdom of the ages. We need the wisdom that God gives us. And that's where our identity should be. We should be identifying with the people of God. Moses saw through the hollowness, the emptiness and the superstitions of Egypt. He knew. That true identity as somebody made in the image of God to live for God in the ways God ordained was to be identified with the people of God. Now, this brings me to this. You see, the way that the, the, the writer is putting it, he chose. He chose. Life is full of decisions. Some of you may be pondering University, where, which, do you, which university do you, you, you're going to think about? What, what, what career are you going to follow? What uh, studies should you choose for the next step in your education? Life is full of decisions. And Moses came to that point where he made a decision. So he went out to visit his brothers. Uh, he left the palace... He went out to mix amongst the slaves and amongst the brickmakers who were his people. And what he was doing was was, was, was now was was moving away from thinking he was going to be stuck with a good life uh, as an Egyptian and he was moving away to thinking, no, my heart is with these people. These people have got something special. And uh, although we, we read, sadly... Uh, that he jumped the gun that he acted rashly took the law into his own hands it was god's way of forcing the decision on him at that time and he had to leave egypt and go and live in Midian. perhaps moses was thinking well i could be like joseph Joseph really did good in Egypt and perhaps I can try and be like Joseph and from my power and position I can be a bit like Joseph and help the people that way. But that wasn't God's way. The time had come when there would got to be a separation. The danger for the people of God living in Egypt was that they would become like Egyptians. They would become like pagans and the time had come for them to come out and Moses was going to uh, uh, take them out. You see, you and I face decisions. Some decisions we make unconsciously. Other decisions we think through very carefully. Some decisions are made by default. And sometimes we put off making decisions. But you realise in not making a decision, you are making a decision. You're making a decision not to make a decision. And there are some who are like noses that are at crossroads in life. And they're being drawn to the Lord and to God's people. And they're seeing through the evil and the sinfulness of the ways of the world around them. But they're not making a commitment. Don't be like that. Don't dither between two opinions putting off committing yourself and your life to the lord jesus christ is making a decision the decision that needs to be made is what moses did moses made a stand for the truth and for what was right you see christians are constantly involved in making decisions we've decided today whether we're going to gather and meet here or whether we're going to lay in bed or go to a club we decide whether we're going to read our bibles and pray or not we decide how we're going to use our free time and our free money if we have it virtually everything is a conscious decision Now, since the beginning of time, God has given humanity choices. The first man, Adam, had a choice between obeying the voice of the Lord and listening to the lies of the enemy. And, you know, the tragic train of events has affected us all when he listened to the enemy. Well, some people might say, but is this what some people call free will, saying that... We've got the ability to change our hearts and our lives. And are you denying that the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins? Of course, no, we haven't naturally got spiritual life. God gives spiritual life. We have got no innate power to choose good instead of evil. As Martin Luther at the Reformation said, the will is in bondage. And that's absolutely true. But on the other hand, we have to remember how God works. What does the Apostle Paul say in uh, Philippians 2 and 13? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, that's God's way of working. God was calling Moses to lead his people but he was also giving him the will to do it and the ability to do it. And God may be speaking to you and me this morning calling us to do something that seems very hard but if he's going to give us the will and the desire that's his way of working in us. In the words of a hymn I sought the Lord And afterward, I knew he moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not that I found, O Saviour, true. No, I was found of thee. The great theologian Augustine of Hippo said, Command what you wish. Give what you command. You know the story of Spurgeon when he was converted. He sat in a meeting... And he, 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 he lost concentration on the sermon. i afraid we all do that. And uh, he was sitting there thinking, how did I become a Christian? Ah, well, I, I decided to go to church. And uh, when the message went out, I decided to believe in Christ. I, I listened to the call to repent, and I repented of sin. I was doing it all. And then I spoke and thought, but what moved me to go to church? What moved me to respond when I've heard the message so many times and haven't responded to it? Why am I here? Why did I begin to pray? Why did I suddenly begin to listen and and the message was relevant to me? Then Spurgeon says, I realise it was God working in me. And this is God's way. And God was calling Moses to choose, but also working in him. And that's what he does to this very day. And I trust he's working in your heart and in my life. And Moses valued heavenly treasure. That's my final point. And the time has gone. We'll hardly say anything about that. The point we've got this morning from God's word is that. By faith. Moses when he became of age. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing. To suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin yes sin can be very enjoyable sin can be very satisfying but it never lasts and it always brings us into judgment and it always does long-term damage And Moses was not going to live like an Egyptian. And I pray that you and I will never. Live like a godless pagan. As so many around us. But by God's grace we will delight. To be one of God's people. And living for him. In our generation. One of the hymns. Uh, and uh, a hymn of Newton, it's one of those hymns I never forget. I think I was about 19 years old. And I went to a Bible convention on a Saturday night. And I was the only young person there. And I loved the preaching. And it really did me good. And we ended up singing that hymn of Newton, solid joys and lasting treasure. None but Zion's children, no. May God grant us those treasures, those lasting treasures of forgiveness of acceptance, of purpose.